on God. Pray. Ale. Welcome to the Tokyo 2020 Fencing Podcast. I'm Karen. Hi, I'm Dave. And this episode is all about men's foil. Uh, it was the World Cup in Tokyo, which acted as a test event uh, for the Olympic Games. But before we get tucked into that, Dave, we've got some new supporters, haven't we? We do. Yeah. Thank you very much to Ivan uh, Ivan Wilson. Thanks, mate. It's great to have you. Great to have you on board. Uh, and it's also many, many thanks to uh, to Remco. Thanks, Remco Costa. Uh, Great to, great to have you guys on board, and uh, we love every single one of our Patreon supporters. You guys are the best people ever. And, of course, our audience. But, you know, it's Christmas time. If you want to drop us a euro, a dollar, uh, or a pound even, uh, please do so. Every little helps. Uh, but, look, Dave, let's uh, get tucked into men's foil. Before we went to Tokyo, uh, the four countries that occupied the top four automatic spots provisionally, and I'm going to say that word many, many times, aren't I? Um, USA, France, Korea, and Italy. The zonal spots were with Hong Kong, Russia, Egypt, and Canada. In Tokyo itself, well, France had a cracking day. They took the gold medal from the USA, and Italy beat Russia in the third-place playoff. So, Dave, let's have a look at that top four. USA and France finishing in the top two. They were the top two. Nothing's changed. No, I mean, finally, you know, the USA can be beaten. And uh, we haven't seen that yet. That's uh, they, had a, they had a perfect record uh, up to now, obviously winning the world champions, uh, world championships in, in Budapest. Um, but, yeah, I mean, USA, they're qualified. They're so far ahead, it doesn't matter. And it's great to see France up on the top. Um, they're, they're, a, they're a solid team, and I always enjoy watching them fence. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're by far the top two teams. And, uh, well, look, in the past, we've become used to uh, Italy and Russia facing off for medals in, in the men's foil discipline, uh, the team events. Uh, but uh, it, it's been a while. And uh, Russia, of course, have brought in the youngster Barodashev, and it seems to be working for them. Yeah, I mean, he's fencing superbly. And, you know, they're giving him the final matches as well. So getting him to anchor the team, it's, um, it's, really, it's really sort of a, a new look Russian team but um, in, in that sense. But... Uh, yeah, doing well and, and great to have them in the semi-finals. And I mean, to be honest, they kind of needed it. The season's kind of yeah. been been stuttering a little bit. Look, we are talking about the top four, but there's a reason for mentioning Russia and their return to form. Uh, because what's happened is uh, Russia beating Korea um, m- means that uh, Italy have jumped Korea in the top four, but Korea still remain in the top four, right? Yeah, absolutely. So Korea still in the top four. Uh, but that sort of that battle for third and fourth of the automatic places is starting to look a little bit more interesting. So it's kind of of the best of two Asian teams and the best of two European teams. So at the moment, it's really tasty, isn't it? It's oh, really, that's a really tasty prospect. Oh, and it's so close as well. So Italy, obviously, you know, now with a with a with a medal over there uh, uh, on their chest in in Tokyo, have sort of moved out in front a little bit. But you know, the only four point gap between Hong Kong and Korea which, again, an Asian for Asian switch wouldn't really affect anything in terms of the qualification. But then Russia only another four points back again. You know, that could really throw um, throw everything out if they have a, another fantastic result and start, you know, staying in the top four. Well, the top four remain the top four, uh, albeit with Italy jumping at Korea. So the battle between Asia and Europe, well, it's a toss-up to, to work out where to start. Let's go alphabetically and start with Asia. But look, what, what what fascinated me in in Tokyo was that all of the contenders for 
the Asian places or all the Asian contenders for the Olympic Games, if you like, all got knocked out in the quarterfinals, which meant those placings matches for five to eight was like a mini Asian Olympic qualifier. It was the plate, the best plate of competition we've ever had. Um, Yeah, amazing. And, uh, you know, obviously that's great for the European teams that, you know, they were winning those matches. Um, not not so good for, for for people in the Asian zone, but then it did mean that we had a nice little battle off to to see who would who would do well and who wouldn't. And I think we probably got a representative result. I mean, no no matches were were blowouts either. They were all sort of forty five forties, weren't they? Um, mm. But you know that that Korea beating Hong Kong and then Korea beating China and Hong Kong beating Japan probably feels about right in terms of where the teams are. Don't think we learnt anything new there. That sort of that really sort of confirmed where I thought the teams were in terms of rankings. So here's a question for you: Are Japan and China out of qualification? Well, not mathematically. You know, the, the, the spreadsheet, the spreadsheet nerd in me says, "Oh no, absolutely not, uh, Bash." But uh, the issue is, and the biggest issue that Japan and China have is their world ranking, and so they're both. I think they're ranked seventh and ninth, which means that they run into second or first and they might good chance they might have to beat each other up in the in the 16 so it's not that they're out but they're a long way back so they're sort of 40 plus points back um and next time they go to a competition to get into the sort of the the top four they're going to have to beat the usa or france and i'm not sure i see that happening or it's certainly, you know, that's going to require a seriously good result. And I mean, especially given that the USA have lost one match in the last bloody five months. It just, just doesn't feel, just feels really unlikely. It's a, it's a sad times, especially for China with uh, Lei Sheng uh, running the show there, the, the giant uh, Chinese athlete who's uh, mm. picked up an Olympic medal in recent times. Um, and I have to say, look, uh, you're not going to put your neck on the line, but I will. I think China are not going to Tokyo uh, for men's foil, but I think Japan will. And I think Japan will because I don't think they'll qualify through the team route. Uh, but I do think that they will use their wildcard, their host nation places, uh, to make a, a Japanese men's foil team. I don't disagree with that. Absolutely, there. You know, especially with um, you know Yuki Oto as as effectively the um, brand ambassador, I'd say for fencing in Tokyo. Um, you know, the men's foils certainly the the right messaging for the sport. I think that would be the the easiest way for Japan to start using their places. Well, look, uh, that's uh, the situation with Asia. But, of course, as we've said, it's all linked to the results from the European teams. France looking really good for second place and uh, 72 points behind the USA, who are the form team, uh, is not impossible. But I think that they will finish second. Uh, would you agree that with me that Italy looked good for that third spot? Uh, certainly, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, an all-round strong team, if you're looking for Kony, Avila... Gasara, you know, it's the, these are all phenomenal fences, very consistent. Uh, it's one of those ones where you think, well, any time that they're coming up against any one of these other teams, uh, they're in with a good shot. I don't see any sort of shock losses in the 16 or anything from this Italian team. And you want to think that, you know, they'd have a good chance of getting into the top four um, most weekends. Uh, so, yeah, that, 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 gives them a, that gives them a huge advantage over, say, you know, the way Russia are fencing right now or, or even, you know, the rivals, say, Hong Kong. Um, or, mm. or you know, they've both got the FIE rank on their side. It's a bit higher, 
Um, so they probably have a slightly easier match uh, and they're just a bit more consistent, I think. Worth noting that uh, Italy did take a bit of a hammering from France, though, in the semi-finals in Tokyo. Yeah, I watched that. That was unbelievable. They just yeah, didn't didn't really have an answer. So it's um yeah something to think about. It's um you know that might be a match up at the uh, at the Olympics, but yeah, you can't get beaten. What was like twenty five or something? It was a flogging. Mm, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was it was a big result. <laughs> but I mean, Fran- France are just uh, were, were on fire on the day, and I tell you what. I don't think anyone wants to face uh, a wounded Italy in, in the men's team foil competition. They really know how to bring their A game to big competitions. And I suspect that they will stay in that top four. So let's have a look at Russia. Um, you mentioned that they've they've been um, floating about in the wind in terms of form. But the last two competitions when they've had Kirill Borodyshev come in, the youngster, um, well, the, the first one was, if you like, a, a bit of a blooding, which he did really well at. This time round in Tokyo, he's he's remained in the team, and it looks to me like Russia have settled, and they are starting that uh, climb up in terms of performance. I, I think that they are a massive threat to the top four. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree, and I, certainly they look, they look a new team. That's for sure. Um, yeah, fencing differently, more in there, and I know clearly, you know, all run by uh, Ilga Mamadov, who's no. Know, former former uh, Olympic champion by team, so um, you know there, there's a lot of knowledge in that um, in that setup. I think um, it's just it's just a question of how do you manage it because he needs you know a couple of couple of young faces that they're bringing in to change it up, but then you know a lot of old a lot of old hands. So you know we, we, how do you use Safin? How do you use Cherimisinov? How do you use these guys? Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they'll be at the Olympic Games. The question is, is can they challenge Korea for that fourth place? And maybe they can't quite deliver on that consistency. That was going to be my next question. Can they, one, overtake Hong Kong? I think they can. Uh, but the big one is, can they can they overtake uh, Korea as well? And you mentioned the names in the teams. I, 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 you know, Sorry to ask a long-winded question here, Dave, but I saw that actually Cherry Misinov stayed in the team quite a bit and, uh, and Mabadov was mixing up Zerubchenko and Safin. In fact, Safin was pulled and Zerubchenko went in and he stayed there. Yeah, I mean, Safin's not getting any younger, right? It's... um. It's. I think they. They. I'm. I'm not sure the Russians know what their best team is, and I don't think they know how to match off against uh, each opponent. Just coming back to whether they'll take over. I'm getting a bit nerdy on the uh, on the spreadsheets <laughs> here, but it's it's really that Russian being where they are, Russia being where they are is really coloured by one bad result, uh, and so that was seventh in Saint Petersburg, and with the rankings, you don't have to count your worst result. Yeah. So Korea being so close is because they didn't have a particularly good world championships. But you do have to, and they finished sixth at Worlds, but you do have to count Worlds. So I'm just thinking, you know, if I was if I was throwing it out there and just saying, do you want a little outside bet? And really that's going to sh- shake things up. I'd say Russia probably have quite a good chance to get past Korea, possibly, maybe not Hong Kong. So this is where it comes in because Hong Kong did pretty well at Worlds because they can cast aside their poor result in St. Petersburg by consistently finishing fourth and, you know, third and, you know, getting up there. Whereas, you know, Korea are stuck with that sixth place at Worlds and they had a very poor zonal championships. 
So the world. So in summary, basically, the worlds and the zonals count for for sure for all teams, and then they can drop one team a result between April 2019 and April 2020. That's the one. Yeah. So you don't. You can you can discard your worst one of the World Cups. You have to count your zonals. You have to count your worlds. Interesting. I. I. My feeling without that piece of knowledge, which is a great piece of knowledge, um, is that I think Russia will do it. I reckon Russia will get into the top four um, and it will be a fight-off between Korea and Hong Kong for uh, for the Asian zonal spot. Interesting times. Yeah, it really is. So, look, Asia and uh, and Europe are where it's all at in four, but we have to talk about Africa and Pan Am. Let's start with Africa. What, Egypt are doing enough to stay in the top 16 for sure? Yeah, they're doing great. Um, ninth is is you know a great result on its own. Um, more than enough to stay in the top sixteen. More than enough to uh, be the best African country. Uh, solid result in the ninth place playoff to um, uh, over Ukraine, which is a good result. Um, close loss to Japan in the main tableau. Actually, you know what? They might be a bit disappointed by that. Um, they're not. They're a good team. They're a really good team. Look, I, I think you're right, Egypt are going to go to the Olympic Games. So, so the question mark is, look, first off, we, let's make some assumptions. Egypt are going. Japan aren't going to qualify by the team route, but are going to use their host nation spots to make a team. As things stand, Egypt will get a buy through the eight in the team event and then will probably face, well, almost certainly face, the USA or France in their first match. Yep. They're, they're not going to contend, are they? That's tough. And I don't think we do the randomizing at the Olympics. So you could say it will definitely be if they finished seventh out of eighth. But again, this is complicated by the, the zonal place, right? Yes. Um, but say they were seventh, and I think you have to face, there's no randomization. So I think you would have to face second, which you'd say is probably France. Mm. And that's a tough match. Yeah. Worst case scenario, Japan put a team in, then Egypt are eighth out of nine teams. <laughs> have a little warm up and then meet a rabid USA team that's fired up and wanting to win medals. So I mean, it looks pretty ugly either way. Yeah, really. yeah, that, but but qualification is what we're talking about yep. right now, not the games, and uh, it remains to be seen. Bigger upsets have happened, that's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, so look, Egypt are going uh, almost certainly, um, and so Pan Am is the last spot that we need to talk about. Um, Canada lost to Spain in Tokyo at the World Cup. Um, would they start to get worried about remaining in the top 16 in the world? It's a good question, Bash. It's a really good question. They didn't make the didn't make the 16 in Bonn either. Um, I'd be so surprised. They're a good team. Um, they surely. That would be, I mean, that would be, that would be the shock. I mean, no one would have picked that. No one would have picked that. Um, I'm going to say one thing, Dave. You sound like you're trying to convince yourself. Which, uh, yeah. For me, that doesn't sound good for uh, for the Canadians. No. Like, it's it's one of those ones where I was like, oh, yeah, no worries. It'll be fine. Of course they'll be fine. It's Canada. It's men's foil. You know, Max Van Hassel gets them through everything, right? Mm. And then I look at their results and when you know world championships they finished 16th okay worrying. It's, it's worrying it's for sure worrying. St. petersburg then they made the 16 and they finished 16th and then 17 17 you know what if they were egypt i'd say they were in trouble yeah i i think they're in, i think they're in massive trouble i really do uh, and and so then the question is and look and, and, and you know i'm just giving my opinion sure. here. i'm not 
supporting one team over another. But I just think, as you said, looking at the results, looking at their form at the moment, uh, they're certainly going to be worried. So we have to look at the what-ifs. Look, if they get another 16 or even two more 16s, they're going to go for sure. They'll stay in the top 16 in the rankings and they'll go to the games. But if they don't, I don't really think Brazil are going to be a challenge. I don't think Brazil, you know, if Canada dropped down, I think Brazil could go out as well. And then that opens up, you know, another story. And I'm not trying to sort of, you know, be over dramatic here, but I think, you know, this Asian Europe story is the big one at the moment. But Canada could play a part if they were to drop out by opening up an additional spot. Yeah, so I'm just having a look at the rankings below 16 and you'd need Hungary to get past them and Hungary are quite... So Hungary is 17th at the moment. So, and they're quite a long way back. So they're, what are they now? 26 points behind. And they didn't enter Tokyo. Like, Mm. didn't enter a team, which is astonishing. Um. But then given that you've also got Brazil in the mix as well, you'd need 17th and 18th to enter a team. And now you're getting into Taiwan, Spain, Australia. And obviously both Spain and Australia made the, which we'll come to, um, made the made the 16 in Tokyo, but not regularly there. So uh, I think, yeah, actually better chance that, you know, Brazil have got a chance of getting past them rather than rather than the bonus place. But then Brazil didn't do themselves any favour with, you know, I'll be partisan just for a minute because I don't often get a chance to, but a cracking result by <laughs> cracking result by our Aussie boys, um, you know, dispatched them in, in Tokyo and, and, you know, wonderful result by the Aussies um, to finish 15th. Um, but, you know, that was that was really an opportunity for, for Brazil to, to, to really could have moved ahead. Yeah. Uh, and didn't, didn't take advantage. So... All right, and I've changed my mind. There will be a Pan Am team. There won't be a bonus place, um, but I don't know whether it's Canada or Brazil. Well, there you go. So Asia Europe is not the only story in men's team foil. But uh, look, let's conclude. After the Tokyo World Cup, the USA uh, flying and racing away in uh, top spot from France, Italy and Korea. If Olympic qualification was today, see how I avoided using the word provisionally. Um, if Olympic qualification was today, <laughs> those top four teams would go to the Olympic Games. And the zonal spots now sit with Hong Kong, Russia, Egypt and Canada. So we move on to the individual event. Before the tournament, uh, Marcus Mepstead from Great Britain, uh, Benny Klybrick from uh, Germany took up the two European spots. Takahiro Shikine and Highway Chen, or Chen Highway, as the uh, Chinese say it, uh, take the two Asian spots. And Guillaume Toldo picked up the individual Pan Am spot, along with Mohamed Samandi with the African spot. Uh, how's things changed after uh, Tokyo in the individual event, Dave? It's a bit, it's a bit boring, Bash. Um, <laughs> sort of all sitting about the same. It's all looking a bit stable. Um, you know, we sort of have some chases in Europe, but... Uh, you know, Chupinich, uh, Alexander Chupinich from the uh, Czech Republic, uh, finishing in the, where did he finish? In the top 16, didn't he? So, you know, that's a fantastic, but he's, you know, still still 20 points behind Benny Clybrink and, you know, 36 behind points behind Marcus. I think it's a good result from Marcus finishing in the in the 32 um, for a number of reasons, gets him into the top 16 on the um, uh, FIE rankings. So mm. you can have a little vacation from uh, from the pools, which is always always quite pleasant. Um, but I mean, yeah, Marcus is in pole position. I think you could probably call it now that he'd qualify without something silly going on. Um, 
yeah, I mean, without any sort of team changes, we're looking, it's looking pretty stable. I don't see anyone coming after uh, Toldo. Don't see anyone really coming out of after Samandi. I mean, you know, the obvious one would be Ayub Ferjani, but just hasn't had the results yet with Ayub. So, mm. um, and then, you know, basically the only the only ones that could chase Chen are, well, no one really. It's just kind of it. There's sort of some Japanese fences, but they have to get over Shikine. And Shikine's miles in front. So yeah, Saito got a good result though yeah. in Tokyo. So he'll be in, he he he's sort of to play a a part in that uh, that battle for what effectively is going to be the one Japanese spot. Yeah, I think the, the I mean the beauty of the, the you know being the host nation is I'm, I'm sure we'll see all these guys, and you do want to see, um, you know, I want to see Shikina at the Olympic Games. I want to see Saito at the Olympic Games. Uh, Miyaki as well. You know, these three have really really good fences. Um, I mean, Shikina is twenty something points ahead. I think it's you know. Unless unless Saito can, you know, do the same thing at, at, at a GP or two, then kind of you know, kind of want some crazy team results. I just want to kind of shake yeah. it up a bit, you know. Yeah. yeah. But uh, look, it's looking it's looking pretty easy, men's foil. I think we, we kind of got a pretty good idea of what's going on. All right. Well, look before we go into a summary of the individual uh, situation after Tokyo uh, and the World Cup last weekend. Here's a question for you: Japan don't qualify as a team. Shikine qualifies as an individual, yep. and Japan decide to use two or three, it doesn't matter, two, let's say two of their host nation places to make up a Japanese team. Yep. Does Shikine then open up another spot for an individual from Asia? No. No, no, no. So, um, yeah, so it's all done afterwards. So all of the national, uh, the host nation places is all done afterwards. So... What we'll, we'll do is we'll do all the qualifications, we'll work out who is, like, directly qualified, and then after that calculation, Japan will have eight spots, maximum eight spots, to divvy out to um, to, to the, the other fences. So if they've only got one qualified, so, for example, an individual, um, they could use another two of their eight to both add two individual fences, but then because they'd have three qualified, they would add the team as well so that's you know quite an efficient use of of, of your uh, host nation places uh but no no there's no no other bonuses for uh, asian fences they uh they have to fight off like everyone else well interesting stuff there and thanks for uh, clarifying that one i think it's quite important given the fact that's uh, that's a likely scenario mm. and a likely outcome for um japan so after the tokyo world cup marcus mepstead uh, benjamin Clybrink, takahiro shikine guillaume toldo Chen Haiwei and Mohamed Samande occupy the additional places for individual fences. Uh, so that's Tokyo summed up. Uh, this weekend has been a, a bit of a, a, a bumper weekend for us. Uh, so there are separate podcasts on women's foil and uh, women's sabre. Uh, Dave, what's coming next for the men's foilists? Oh, isn't it isn't it the, the highlight of the calendar bash? If I if I'm uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think we will go to Paris for the CIP, the Challenge Internationale de Paris. It is the most incredible fencing competition in the world. It's going to be a lot of fun. Huge, huge bumper weekend as well. Uh, probably, probably is the the highlight of the men's foil circuit. Uh, that competition in Paris, uh, huge numbers of fencers expected, and a massive audience as always in Paris. Uh, so, as well as uh, that, we've got these two extra podcasts coming out uh, at the same time as our men's foil podcast. But Dave, you've got everyone an early Christmas present, haven't you? Well, just just we thought it's a sort of a 
It's a, a joint. It's a joint present, Bash. I think the the best presents always are. So you know, just in case you, you didn't have enough fencing for for the year, we're going to do a little little bonus little bonus edition, a little roundup of where we've got to at the end of the year. A bit of looking ahead, maybe people that we're most impressed with, people we think you know probably could could improve a little bit. Uh, yeah, it'd be a nice little fun exercise uh, for us at the end of the year. Yeah, and uh, you know, obviously, we'll be doing that over our little Christmas drinkies. Uh, thanks to our Patreon supporters, we're having a Christmas party, a Christmas party podcast uh, where we'll cover everything. But we're not going to go into individual weapons. We're going to talk more about countries and perhaps some of the individuals doing really well. But Dave, as always, thank you very much. Great to be here, Bash. And uh, thank you to all of you. And we'll be back for that uh, Super Roundup podcast coming very soon, just before Christmas. Mm-hmm.